Hello and welcome to this Life Changes podcast. You are now listening to one of our Sunday messages. If you'd like to know more about Life Changes, you can visit us on Facebook, Twitter or Instagram. Now lean in and enjoy. It's such a joy and delight to be with you this morning. Andy and I just love Life Changes. Uh, we love uh, your leaders. Um, it's... It's an incredible privilege. Friday night for us was a highlight. Honestly, it was such a joy and a delight and to, to see God honor the leadership and to bring more leaders on into this eldership is always a joy and a delight. And we celebrate that and it's so good to be with you this morning. And uh, if we're talking about double dipping, I wanted to find out which was the best dipping, the first or the second. And um, I, I, I reckon that the second dip is always the best. Yeah. So um, if you come tonight, you'll definitely get the second and the best. You may get the second dip, but you'll get the best. Can we turn in our Bibles or it'll come up uh, on the screen behind me? And I'm going to read from the ESV. Um, some portions of scripture, and if you could lean in, you're welcome to be rowdy. I believe church should be rowdy. There should be lots of agreement and amening. I don't need it. Okay, so please don't think that you have to do it for me. I'm one of these unique animals that don't need any encouragement, even though I enjoy it. Mark phones me, and he encourages like I'm sure he does to many of you. He's an incredible friend, um, but. It's one of those things, I don't need encouragement, so I'm not asking for you to uh, say amen and encourage me. I want you to agree so that we build an agreement in faith. Everything shall be established by two or three witnesses. We need a few people to be going, amen. All right, so I don't know how this church operates, but I'm coming to encourage you to be a household of faith. So we're going to read from Ezekiel 47. This is a crazy kind of book. If you've read the Bible, um, it's probably one of those books in the Bible that you start and then skip over. Um, There's a few of those, Genesis, Exodus, and then somehow we get to Joshua, Judges, and Kings and Samuel and all of those, and then Job we jump over, Um, Psalms we love. Proverbs, yes, and then we get into these things, but um, there's, there's wisdom in his scriptures, and um, this is a moment in time where this prophet of Israel begins to prophesy about a river. Now, the Bible starts with rivers, it ends with a river. Um, in Gauteng, all we have is rivers, um, dirty ones, um, but we don't have a mountain or a sea, we just have each other, so that's why... And that's why in Gauteng, uh, we are incredible people, because we love each other, not mountains and seas and beaches. Um, and you guys can live here because we make the money in Gauteng. Just saying. I'm not jealous at all. But this is speaking of a river, and this week before I run out of time. Then he brought me back to the door of the temple, and behold, water was issuing from below the threshold of the temple toward the east, for the temple faced east, and the water was flowing down from below the south end of the threshold of the temple, south of the altar. And then he brought me out by the way of the north gate, led me around the outside to the outer gate, faces towards the east, and behold, water was trickling 
out of the south side. Say truthfully. <coughs> Going on eastward from with the measuring line he, in his hand, he measured about a thousand feet, it's about half a kilometer, not quite. But then he led me through the water and it was. Okay, we're gonna say these together, alright? I'll stop and you say it. I want to keep you awake this morning, all right? We all the water was trickling and then it went on and through the water and it was ankle deep. Good. And again you measured about a thousand, about half a kilometer through the water and it was and again you measured a thousand cubits and led me through the water and it was beautiful. And he measured a thousand in the river and it could not be passed through. For the water had risen. It was deep enough to swim in. A river that could not be passed through. And he said to me, Son of man, have you seen this? You know, when I was reading this recently again, as the Spirit of God began to speak to me, and and I, I stopped there and said, have you seen this? Why did this angel stop Ezekiel in his vision and said, have you seen this? And just for a moment, I began to think about it and, and see the progression from ankle deep to knee deep, waist deep, and then too deep. And it starts at a temple and it ends further away. And I was just challenged by the Spirit of God. And that was this, was that when do I feel or sense or know the presence of God deepest? And I've got to say that I think that it is when I'm with the saints singing and praising and worshiping like we've just done and are being together this morning, isn't it? It's about a sense of when Bunty is, is just singing and, and everyone is singing and there's this presence of God and there's goosebumps and we feel the depth of the river and, and, and Sunday seems to be the time where it's deepest but Wednesday seems to be the time when it's shallowest or Thursday, Friday. When in our lives do we actually sense and know the presence of God deepest and, and somehow it trickles out over the week and we come back to Sunday and, oh, it's beautiful. And yet what I see here is an example of the other way around. It's shallowest from the temple and deepest in our week. The sinless challenge that I found is like, oh God, it's when I'm out and, and, and the work, and the ways and the things of this week and maybe you're sitting in your boardroom or you're sitting in a difficult negotiation, you've got a, a challenge, maybe there's the, a challenge in your family, a fight, a, a, a relational discourse, there's something happening and it senses like, I don't even have a trickle, I don't know, like, where is the water? Then he led me back to the bank of the river, and as I went back, I saw on the bank of the river very many trees on the one side and on the other. And he said to me, this water flows towards the eastern region, goes down into the Arabah, enters the sea. This is the Dead Sea. Where the water flows into the sea, the water will become fresh. I had the privilege of going to the Dead Sea 10 years ago. We celebrated our 25th anniversary, wedding anniversary at the Dead Sea. It's kind of a strange place to be, but we went to Israel for our, for our 23rd. It was one of my bucket lists. I wanted to float in the water of the Dead Sea and read a newspaper like I'd seen. I don't know what it was, but it was just kind of like, I looked forward to going to the Dead Sea. Anybody been there? Yeah, just a couple. And, and you know, when I got there and, and we were going to go down to the sea, there was notices all over, just signs everywhere, just 
disclaimers, um, warnings about going into the school. They're like, what are you kidding me? And when we went in there, any little abrasion or any cut and the smell, and it burnt like, can I say hell? Yeah. Um, and I was like, are you kidding? And, and it, it was terrible. It wasn't the experience that I really wanted, you know. Like floating, yes, you float. But boy, it was kind of like, have you had enough? Yeah, we had enough. How do we go? Um, and, and, and it was such a disappointment because the Dead Sea is dead. It's one of the most toxic places on earth. And as, again, as we read this, wherever the water of life goes, it brings life. What is dead comes to life. And we go with the waters of life from this place and into our toxic environments of our workplaces and our boardrooms and then onto our, our, our lecture halls or our schools or wherever it may be. And wherever we go, we should bring life. Into that toxic situation, I believe the waters of life will bring life. Wherever the river goes, every living creature that swarms will live, and there will be very many fish. For the water goes there, the water of the sea may become fresh, and everything will live. I believe that this morning there's the waters of life that are flowing, and where you may have a need or a toxic situation, where you're feeling dead. I love that prophetic or word of wisdom that came from from Tyler, just as that which is withered in our life, where the waters of life flow. And here the word of God is flowing right now into our lives. And by faith, if we take that, that withered areas, those toxic situations would become life giving, fruitful, fruitful. That marriage that is, is it toxic right now will become fruitful. Where you've given up on that relationship, where that financial situation is dead, it's going to come to life through the Word of God. And fishermen will stand beside the sea from Engedi to Engliam, and it will place, it's the place for the spreading of nets. Its fish will be very many kinds, like the fish of the great sea. But the swamps and marshals will not become fresh. They will be left for salt. And on the banks, on both sides of the river, there will grow all kinds of trees for food. Their leaves will not wither. Do you know that, that, that this is it's speaking of us as individuals, but also about us as churches, that we would be fruitful, trees of life, trees that would help people. I, I love the picture of a tree in the Scripture. Uh, and one of the most famous trees... Um, is, is not in Genesis, but it, it is in the Gospels when a short man couldn't see Jesus and needed a tree to climb and see Jesus. And, and, and we are to be trees. Churches are to be trees to help those that can't see Jesus encounter Jesus. How's your tree? Where is your tree? And their leaves will not wither, their fruit fail, but they will bear fresh fruit every month because the water for them flows from the sanctuary. Friends, I want to tell you, you business people, businessmen, um, entrepreneurs, is that your business will not just be fruitful one month of the year or two months. Even in this economy where the rivers of life come and the words of life come, that they will be prosperous. I speak that over. Pray that over. Release the river of God into your business. But it comes through you in an act of faith. And their fruit will be, be for food and their leaves for healing. Um, if I don't get to preach, I just read the Word of God. I think I've done enough this morning. But here we go. So Acts chapter 3 and verse 1. Now Peter and John were going up to the temple at the hour of prayer. 
in the ninth hour, and the man lame from birth was being carried, whom they laid at the gate of the temple that is called Beautiful Gate. Now, this word beautiful does not mean um, like this morning when I woke up and looked out the window and saw the beautiful mountain. It doesn't mean that, all right? It, it, it actually means the right season or the best or the good season. It is, it's the right time. It's, the, it's when you, they would talk about a beautiful season when it was time to plant. It, it's the right season. It was the right moment. This was uh, not a good-looking gate. It was a gate of the beautiful, uh, blooming time. And he was asking for alms, those entering the temple, and seeing Peter. So let me put it to you this way. Uh, many, not many, some great commentators, or good commentators as I think, but that's up to individual um, perspective. But commentators, some commentators agree that the gate in, in Ezekiel 47, the threshold of the temple where the water was flowing out, was the beautiful gate in this time. Okay, So there, I'm linking the passages. And I believe it because you're going to see it now. The reason why. And it says this, seeing Peter and John about to go into the temple, he asked to receive alms, and Peter directed his gaze at him as did John and said, look at us. How many of us could say that, you know, to the beggar, to the, to the difficult situations, to the toxic environments? In our boardroom, you go, look at me. Let me tell you, read my lips. I'm going to give you some wisdom. We're going to make a decision that's going to change this company. And Peter directed his gaze to him, and so did John. Look at us. And he fixed his attention on them, expecting to receive something from them. But Peter said, I have no silver or gold, but what I do have I give to you. In the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth, rise up and walk. And he took with him by the right hand, and he raised him up, and immediately his feet and what? I love that. We're made strong. I mean, he could have just why did the, Luke, by the writing, inspired of the Holy Spirit, actually talk about this man because he was crippled? He could have just said, and the crippled man walked. But he said, actually, it was his feet and his ankles. So what was the problem with this crippled man? He had everything else but his ankles. And, you know, if you don't have ankles that are ankles, you can't jump. Have you ever tried to jump without your ankles? You actually need your ankles to jump. And he was leaping and jumping. But this is it, is that out of the threshold of the beautiful gate comes healing ankle deep. Now, if, I don't have time, but I'm, what I'm trying to do for you this morning is I want to give you the trickle. So, and I'm trusting that the power of the Holy Spirit would come this week and give you a torrent so that when you open the Scriptures tomorrow and Wednesday and Friday, that it would be deeper than this moment. That the revelation that I may give to you would just be a little bit, but what the Holy Spirit gives to you is too deep. All right, let's not treat church as the great, oh, I got such a great message this morning. No, just get one nugget of revelation that God can unpack in the weeks to come and you will live and be the rivers of life that would go into your workplaces, into your families and make a difference. So I'm giving you the trickle this morning. I'm trusting God to give you the torrent. Okay? 
um, leaping, he stood up and began to walk and entered the temple, walking and leaping and praising God. Anybody been in church long enough to know that song? And all the people saw him walking and praising God. And he recognized them who sat at the beautiful gate. You know what? The people can sit at the beautiful gate of timing and never actually ever enter in. Because you see, he entered into the temple. He said he wasn't allowed there because he was a cripple and you couldn't go in because of the law. The law uh, barred them from going into the temple. Anybody with a defect couldn't go in. And many people are sitting outside of the temple, outside of the purposes and the plans of God because of a defect or a, dis a situation that has come in that's crippled them. Withered hearts, withered or ankle injuries. And we may have been walking and, and doing things and we've injured, but we're sitting outside the gate. Friends, I want to say is that the water is flowing out of the gate so that we can go into the, the temple and into His presence. I love that about God. He's not expecting us to get in. Friends, I want to say is that God is not expecting Cape Town to come into church. He's expecting the church to go into Cape Town. And I'm not, this is what I'm not one who believes that, you know, the, the, the A game is out in there and this is the B game. This, that, that's, that's not it. It's, we're all in the game. It's not a game. This is, we're life. And, and, and we must not forsake the gathering of the brethren together. And we come and become ankle deep so that our ankles can jump and praise God so that we can go into the city of Cape Town, into this world. Um, John chapter 1 verse 16 uh, says this and we have all from his fullness received grace upon grace for we from his fullness we've all received from the fullness of Jesus Christ John speaking grace upon grace in Acts chapter 4 just after Acts 3 that wasn't Four does follow three, but actually in verse 33, it says, and with great power, let's say that together, and with great power, the apostles were giving their testimony. You can read together. And with great power, the is it coming up there? Okay, let's do it. One, two, three. And with great power, the apostles were giving their testimony to the resurrection of the Lord Jesus and and great grace was upon them all. Father, this morning we are expecting and desiring for great grace to be upon your church in this city, in this nation, at this time, and in this uh, beautiful world. But Lord, it's this beautiful gate, this beautiful moment, this defining moment. Even as life changes are Stepping into new things, there's growth, there's growing, new leaders, more uh, churches being planted. There's this transition into more. There is a greater coming upon this church, Lord. And we want this to be branded by the power of heaven that says there's great grace, great grace upon life changes. Great grace. God, would you brand that, that from your fullness there will come grace upon grace, upon grace, in Jesus' name, I pray. I have been drawing from the wells of um, Scripture around grace again. I, I just feel like sometimes you can't get enough. And I, I want to just remind us of uh, some definitions or some breadth of grace. 
for me, um, I've carried this definition for many years as God has began to, to feed my spirit with this uh, definition of grace. It's the holy influence of heaven. It, it, it's, it's not just any influence, but it's the holy, it's the influence of heaven that comes upon my soul, upon my emotions, upon my feelings, upon my desires, upon my very soul, enabling me to do supernaturally what I couldn't do naturally. You see, we could not get saved. Salvation was not anything that we could work for or do. Salvation comes by faith through grace. It's the grace of God. It's the holy influence of heaven that comes upon us. Oh, we did not find Him. He found us. And He moved by His incredible mercy and grace upon our souls, enabling us to by faith reach out. And then in that moment, the act of love of God some people have defined grace as the active love of God. I'm so glad that God's grace is active or His love is active. It's an act of love. It, it, it activates, it's active, it's the love of God. It isn't just God so loved and that was it. God loved, He loves and will continue to love. It's the grace of God that is active or some say the unmerited favor of God. Another aspect or a definition or a, a, a facet, because I love, I think grace is pretty much like a diamond that has so many facets and you can just get enthralled by the grace. It's actually, it, it, it is, um, it means the appealing and engaging attractiveness of Christ. It's, it's engaging. It's appealing. You know, one of the things is, and I heard some Cape Tonians say yesterday about, I never get tired of the mountain. And, and boy, has the mountain been showed off these last few days. The weather has been amazing. The whole of Cape Town was out on the beach toasting the sunset yesterday. It was incredible, wasn't it? Just an amazing weather. Amazing. And how many of you get tired of going down to the beach and looking across the bay at the mountain? It's, it, it just, can it get any better, you say? And yet it does, isn't it? Exactly a year ago, Andy and I joined my brother and sister-in-law. He was turning 66. And he had some weird kind of bucket listing of celebrating his 66th birthday on Route 66. Now, for anybody under sort of 60, you probably don't even know what Route 66 is. But it's a famous road in America. And, uh, and so Andy and I joined them. And, and, and we, uh, on our way to Route 66, we flew into Denver. And then we drove over the Rockies. But we hired Mustangs with... Soft tops. And, um, and we, we drove over the Rockies and, and then down through the Mojave Desert. It's that famous scene if you've watched... Um, who's that guy that ran? Uh, Forrest Gump. Remember where he stopped running in the movie? All right. Right there in that place, just the most exquisite scenery. But as we were driving with our top down, and you know, we were talking, we we're going like, wow, wow, we'd stop, take photos, stop. And then we're driving, and, and it's like, you know, we're getting a 360 view of, it's incredible. We say, can it get any better than this? And we go around the corner, and it's going like, whoa, it's got better. And then we see like rocks sticking out, and you go like, whoa, can it get any better? Whoa, it can't get any better. Whoa. 
And, and you know, that's what the grace of God does with the Word and with Jesus. It's like, can it get any better? Wow! Wow! It's the engaging attractiveness of Christ. It's the grace of God. Without that, it would just be something that, oh yeah, done that. Got the t-shirt. No, you never get the t-shirt when it comes to the grace of God. And then the grace of God is, is not just that. It, it means the strength of God to overcome. See, many people feel like it, grace is just to get saved. No, we need grace to live. We need grace to overcome. We need the power of heaven upon our lives so that we can have the great grace and grace upon grace. It's, it's that power to overcome. If you remember Apostle Paul who wrote a lot of the New Testament he had something that he needed to overcome. He was wanting to, we don't know what it is, but we do know that he goes to God three times. He says, God, can you please take this thing away from me? And, and, and God says to him three times, he says, Paul, my grace is sufficient for you. And you may be in a situation or circumstances, you're hitting the wall, you're just not getting through, there's no breakthrough, or there is um, a situation or circumstance that you can't seem to overcome. And, and I want to say this morning that what we need is the grace of God to, to have the power of heaven to come upon our souls, enabling us to do that. And because Paul's, God said to, to, to Paul, my grace is sufficient. Now that word sufficient, it, it means three things. And, and these are the three things that it means. It, it, it means, uh, yes, I should know them all by heart by now. But it, it means, Andy will tell you, okay. It means to have unfailing strength. How many of you need unfailing strength in your life right now? Un failing strength. Not only means that, but it means that it can ward off any attack. So any attack that comes, grace is sufficient for that. Any strength you need, grace is sufficient for that. Any enemy attack, grace is sufficient for that. But it doesn't only mean that. You get a bonus. What is it? No, no, it's like, you know, when you're, on the, when you're watching that channel and they want to sell you something and you get the bonus. Or the bonus part of grace is, is in the sufficiency is that it makes you satisfied and contented. Now, how many of us want unfailing strength? Yeah? We want to, to, to ward off the attacks of the enemy and we want satisfaction and contentment. And, and so when I was, I was meditating on this and trying to find out and saying, God, how do, what does this mean? I, I was reminded of a time years ago when my kids, um, uh, we were having a holiday with their cousins, and their cousins got Super Mario. Anybody know Super Mario? They got Super Mario as a computer game. And, uh, and they were playing the computer games, and, and I grew up with no computer games, so I really, you know, this was Super Mario was my first sort of computer game. And so I started to play Super Mario with them, but it was the kind of thing, you get in the line. And with all the cousins and that, when it came my time after, you know, hours and hours, I'd get to the computer, and then we'd play, you know. And I'd go, hey, it's like and Super Mario's running through. And then he gets to this kind of place where you've got to jump the wall, and, and I would jump the wall, but I would hit the wall, and then that horrible monster just comes and chows you. And that was one, and then two, and then three, and my game was over, and I go to the back of the line. 
And then my kids would play for hours, and I'd come within three minutes, I'm done. Because all I'm trying to do is jump that jolly wall. And, I, and so it was about timing. So I'd wait to get Super Mario running, and then jump. I was even jumping physically, hoping that somehow I could just time Super Mario, get over that wall. But I just kept hitting the wall, falling down, and the freaking monster just ate me. And I'd go to the back of the queue. And it was so long. And then I thought, you know what? I'm doing something wrong. Let me just watch and wait and look and see what the kids do. And so as I was watching the kids, but about two or three screens before the wall, there was a silly little mushroom that sat in the middle of the air that I wasn't worried about that thing because I wanted to jump the wall. I wasn't looking for a mushroom. Now, I know that you may be thinking I'm a little doof, but I was, okay? But I was trying to hit the wall, but you may be going through life hitting a wall, and you haven't found the grace of God yet. Because what happened was, is when I found that little mushroom, and Super Mario jumps up and gets that thing, whoa, man, he became Super Mario. He could jump the wall, he could eat the monster, and man, it made me satisfied and contented. And you see, for many of us, we're running through life and, and we're forfeiting the grace which should be ours. Because there's power in the grace. And, and, and when we want to be a church that has great grace as a brand, as a stamp, as a heaven stamped upon the church of Jesus Christ, and there was great grace. Great grace. And from His fullness, 10 minutes, from His fullness... We have all received grace upon grace. Now, as I contemplated that and I was thinking about grace upon grace, I've, I've thought about that many times. It's like grace upon grace upon grace upon grace upon grace because that's kind of the old word. But other translations helped me understand it a little better because one translation said grace instead of grace. Okay, like, how can you have grace instead of grace? But let me read you a, well, let me say this. It's, it's like, you, you don't know about this because you look at the sea, but we can look at rivers, okay? <laughs> um, and, but if you've, you've been to sea and you've stood by, in fact, I, I would think that um, the, the, the sea is a very similar metaphor as a river. But if you're standing at a river and you're looking at the river and then one minute goes past, two minutes past, it's the same river but is it the same water? No, it's water instead of water, instead of water, instead of water. And that's what this word means, is that as we look at the grace of God, it's the grace upon instead of water, grace, instead of grace, instead of grace, instead of grace. Someone has described it like this. It says, in Christ we find grace instead of grace. The different ages and the different situations in life demand a different kind of grace. And drink deeply of this now. And we need one grace in the days of prosperity and another in the days of adversity. We need one grace in the sunlit days of youth and another when the shadows of age begin to lengthen. The church needs one grace in the days of persecution and another when the days of acceptance have come. We need one grace when we feel that we're on top of things and another when we are depressed and discouraged and need to despair. We need one grace to bear our own burdens and another to bear the burdens of another's. 
We need one grace when we are sure of things and another when things seem, when, when, when things seem nothing. Where there seems, thank you, my darling. You see, she, she'll give you the better dip tonight. And where there seems nothing certain in the world. The grace of God is never a static but always a dynamic thing. It never fads to meet the situation. One need invades life and one grace comes with it. The need passes and another need assaults us. And with it, a greater grace comes. All through life, we are constantly receiving grace instead of grace. For grace of Christ is triumphantly adequate to deal with any situation. Any situation. I was drinking deeply of this Wednesday a week or so ago and just drawing from the wells of, of revelation and the word. Little did I know that a few hours later I would be looking for grace. I'd been in, and I run, we as a church run a, um, uh, an upliftment program and we're teaching disadvantaged people to have skills such as carpentry and furniture making and stuff like that in a workshop. And um, I went down to the workshop and I was teaching them a new skill just before lunch. And uh, it needed the drill press that, I was, that we'd be using to change speed. It needed to go faster. There's a transition moment. And so um, I walked over to the machine and I saw it was unplugged. And I said, it's unplugged because I'm paranoid about machines. I've worked with machines all my life. And so I opened the lid, and I was, as I took hold of the V-belt to move it to another level, um, one of the guys in the workshop thought he'd do me a favor and turn the machine on. And so my finger went through between a V-belt and a pulley. may not mean anything to you, but it, it like cut me like a can opener. It crushed my bone and took my nail off. Did a really good job of it. And the pain and the, and, and the suffering that came from that, you know. And uh, so we went off to the hospital and the doctor stitched it up and, and I, we had this kind of experience. And, and, you know, if you've had something like that trauma, something you've done, you would, you would know and understand. But it, it wasn't so much then. It was the Friday. Two days later that I went to have the dressing done and then a new bandage put on. And, and the nurses, when they, when they did that, they weren't very kind. And you could imagine um, all this coagulated blood, and they were just like, <laughs> <laughs> and, and the pain was at another level. And, and so I'd been drinking of this, and I was saying, God, I need your grace. And so as they, they eventually, if you know this um, bandage, I call it the condom bandage, because it comes rolled up like a condom. But what they have to do is they have to push it over and roll it over my finger. And, and because my bone is broken, and they don't care, they just pushed it on. And so I'm there, and I'm shouting, Grace! Grace! <laughs> These poor nurses there. I, I told them I was a Maruti, or as a Mfundisi. I don't know what you say down here, which means a pastor, you know. And, and but just in case that words came out that I didn't want to come out, you know. <laughs> And I just made you, I don't have my sick grace. I was shouting grace. The poor nurses thought that my wife's name was Grace. But look, we'll go now. That's her name's Andy. The pain. Then I go back to, on Thursday night for the stitches to be taken out. 
And they are so deep that they have to pull the scabs out and rip out. And I'll tell you this for graphic reasons because you just got to suffer a little bit with me now. <laughs> but this nurse was doing it and I was crying for grace. Literally tears flowing down my face. Grace, in the time of need, Lord, you said, you said. In Hebrews chapter 4, it says you can come to the throne of grace. Receive mercy and find grace. You see, that word find, it's after you've looked for it, you find it. And you know what? Sometimes we don't get it the first time or the second time. Have you ever lost your keys? Ever lost your cell phone? And you ping it or you ring it or you do something and you try and get it. And that, you know, God in his wisdom hides grace for us to mature us. And where you found grace yesterday may not be where you find grace today. And where you find grace today will not be where you find grace tomorrow. Because he is, wants us to find grace instead of grace, instead of grace. Oh, that he renews his grace. He says mercies every morning. But it's because of the merciful God that he gives grace upon grace instead of grace, instead of grace. Come, let's stand together this morning. Here's the trickle. I said I'd give you the trickle. I have um, kept it for last. This is the trickle. I got three points. I'm going to do it in one minute, and then I'm trusting that the Holy Spirit will make it a torrent. If you're standing in a place of transition, as a church, you're in transition to greater things. As a people, as individuals, whether it's a marriage, whether it's a business, whether it's a relationship, whether wherever you are, I believe that God wants you to go from grace instead of grace upon grace to great grace. All right? And so here it is. Three things. Remember that there's an unlimited source. God has an unlimited source for you. It's ever-increasing depth. Out in your world today. You can play that, that, that keyboard if you like. You really are welcome. There's an ever-increasing depth. And it requires faith to turn it around. Because we have lived our lives so much that church has the fullness. And the weak has the little but from today on, by faith, we're going to grab hold of this. And we're going to say, with the unlimited source of Christ that we have received from grace upon grace, from His fullness, that this morning we're going to go away and we're going to see a greater grace in the week than on a Sunday. And remember that it has miraculous power so that wherever you go, wherever you are, the waters of life can flow. You don't need... Mark, you don't need the elders. You don't need to phone a friend. The rivers of living water because of the fullness of Christ. So I want to say to you is get the water in you and get in the water. Get the water in you and get in the water. And so if you are going, okay, Craig, pray for me, man. I, I, I want to see the miraculous power flow ever increasingly without limit in my life to see grace instead of grace. Just raise your hands to Him and then I'll hand over to Mark. Father, as we respond to You this morning, we desire, we desire more. We desire the torrent, not just the trickle. 
And so, God, would you start with the trickle now, but make it a torrent in our week. May we go from grace to beyond grace to beyond grace, that there would be grace, great grace, that we would experience ankle deep here. But, God, would you set those of us that have got paralyzed ankles, would you heal us, set us free, so that we can dance into our week with the great grace for your glory and for your honor, we pray and give you thanks and praise. Amen.